grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If you want to encourage someone to give, there are a few tried and true methods that you can use to do so. You can give public recognition by either reading their name out loud or by listing their name in some high traffic place so everybody will hear or have a chance to see it. You can incentivize their giving by giving a little something in return that for every gift of whatever amount you get a treasured memento, a useful gift, or maybe even a chance to win some kind of prize. You can help the person to visualize the impact of their gift. Like how some organizations say that if you give $30, you can feed a child for 30 days in an impoverished country. Or you can even use, if you're careful, use peer pressure in a good way, like at an auction for a nonprofit, and you just want to raise your paddleboard with everybody else and join with everyone who's giving to whatever the organization the auction is for. But suppose you were the Apostle Paul, and you're writing to the Christians in Corinth, encouraging them to give. What method would you use? Well, let me first give you some backstory. The Christians in Corinth had been suffering yet again from famine and persecution. And although that they were half a Mediterranean sea away, the heart of the Corinthians went out to their suffering brothers and sisters in faith. So they quickly and they eagerly pledged to raise the money to send it over so as to help them in their current need. That was about a year ago, and not much had happened since then knowing that they had the means to give and the once eager heart to give, the Apostle Paul writes two chapters of his letter called 2 Corinthians to them on this very subject to encourage them to finish the collection that they started a whole year before. We'll be looking at those, that section both the Sunday and the coming two Sundays in our, in our worship series called Godly Giving. And we see this morning how Paul begins to broach this rather touchy topic, this touchy topic by encouraging them to overflow with contagious generosity by looking at, first of all, the attitude within their heart, an attitude that wants to give out of faith and thanks to Jesus. Listen to how the Apostle Paul does this in our opening verses from 2 Corinthians chapter 8, beginning at verse 1. Now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace of God that was given in the churches of Macedonia. In a severe test of trouble, their overflowing joy and their deep poverty overflowed into an abundance to their, of their generosity. I testify that of their own free will, they gave according to their ability and even beyond their ability, pleading with us with an urgent request for the gracious privilege of joining in the service to the saints. They did this not as we had expected, but in keeping with God's will, they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us. As a result, we urged Titus, since he had already made a beginning, to bring to completion this gracious gift on your part. But just as you overflow in every way, in faith and word and knowledge and all diligence and in your love for us, you see that you also overflow in this gracious gift. 
I do not say this as a command, but to test how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that although he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty you might become rich. And I'm giving you advice in this matter because it is going to be helpful for you. Last year, you were not only the first to take action, but also the first to be willing. Now bring the work to completion too, so that your eagerness to start may be matched by completing it with what you have. For if the eagerness is there, a gift is acceptable according to what someone has, not according to what he does not have. This is the word of our Lord, my brothers and sisters in Christ. Unlike many of the ways that we would use to encourage people to give, Paul doesn't use them. Rather, he highlights the contagious generosity of two other examples, that of Christ Jesus and the Christians in Macedonia. You may know some of the notable cities in Macedonian towns like Thessalonica, Philippi, and Berea. It was there, the Christians in that region, as well as Christ Jesus himself, as we will see later in our sermon, who exhibited what generosity truly was. Generosity in its purest, most innocent form, a single-minded attitude that simply wanted to give without expecting anything in return or any ulterior motives. This is the kind of generosity that garnered Jesus' praise from the widow who gave her offering in the offering box, as we heard in our gospel just a little bit ago. And not only does this kind of generosity that is contagious draw the praise of Jesus, it is also naturally contagious amongst us. So often, people's generosity, it is colored by a person's selfishness or it's being done with some degree of it being forced or fake. But when you witness this attitude that just gives with no strings attached, well, it's rather refreshing. It's rather noteworthy, and it naturally, it draws us in, inspiring us to have the same kind of generosity, even if we don't know how to get it. Thankfully, we'll learn how we can get this generosity through the gospel of Jesus Christ and what he has done for us. Jesus and those Macedonians, they overflowed with contagious generosity. But the Corinthians had a struggle. That's the underlying reason why they did not complete their collection after one whole year of eagerly pledging to do it. Because if the attitude is not there, well, the actions that follow are going to be missing as well, most likely. It's a struggle that we have within ourselves, too just overflow with this generosity that just gives for the, pure, the, for, for the pure joy of it. Maybe it's because our generosity is tied to what we can get out of it. Think of those Corinthians. What would they get for sending their relief aid over to Jerusalem? They get some warm, fuzzy feelings. Hopefully a really well-written thank you letter. Probably not much else. It's hard to give when that's all you're going to get in return. For us, when we open our quarterly giving statements that come in the mail, 
It says up top, no goods or services were provided by Grace Evangelical Lutheran Church in return for contributions. The only benefit received was an intangible religious benefit. Do you think your giving statement would have a higher amount if you did receive goods or services from Grace as this you would like a business or a service? Or do you find within yourself this struggle to just simply give for the pure joy of it when all you get out of it is that intangible religious benefit? Or maybe our struggle is because there's ulterior motives that are mixed with our good motives. We give so that we can look good to others, so that other people don't look down on us, our parents, our grandparents, or some other respected figure. Or maybe we just want to decrease our tax liability, and this is not a bad way of doing it, right? Is that the generosity that Jesus is praising? The attitude that just wants to give for the pure joy of it? Not entirely. Or, or, or maybe our attitudes are just so twisted and so warped that everything's about us and all that we have and all that we get, well, it goes to us first and the Lord who gave us everything, well, yeah, we'll see what he gets. Again, if the attitude is missing, the actions that come from it, they're probably going to have some problems. When we see all the ways that this contagious generosity can be muck and mired, it's not surprising to see why the Corinthians could not complete their collection after one whole year. For they struggled, just as we do. And that's why Paul writes these words to them. To not just correct their hearts and to point out their problem, but more importantly, to transform it with the gospel of Christ and what he has done for us so that we may be filled up with his rich blessings and so overflow with contagious generosity. And just as the Corinthians listened to what he had to say, so do we this morning. Paul begins to make that change as he first of all points to Jesus and how richly he has blessed us because of his own contagious generosity. We hear Paul briefly describe what Jesus has done with these words. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that although he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor so that through his poverty you might become rich. You see, when Jesus came to this world, he became poor in many ways. To give up the splendor of heaven for the squalor of earth. To take on human flesh and for a time to renounce his heavenly and spiritual glory. To live as an itinerant preacher who went around from place to place without even a place of his own to lay down his head. To take upon himself our debt of sin. And to pay for it in full on the cross. What did Jesus get out of that? Why did he do that? It wasn't so he could earn something. After all, he's God. He has everything already. Nor was there any ulterior motives within his actions. 
He did it solely because of his contagious generosity, a single-minded attitude that just wants to love on and give and to bless in so many ways so that we who have faith can receive his rich blessings in full. And it's through faith and that life, death, and resurrection that you and I have those blessings of forgiveness, of eternal life and salvation. These spiritual blessings, they are richer than anything that this world and accumulated wealth could ever purchase for you. The judge of all looking down on you and saying that you are not guilty. The everlasting enjoyment of every godly pleasure with every other Christian in heaven. The freedom that comes at knowing that you are saved from your sins because of what Christ has done and you don't need to do a single thing. Oh, yeah, these blessings are rich indeed. They are beyond count. And even more than that, they are yours. For you are richly blessed by him, our Savior. As if these spiritual blessings were not enough, we have even more that is given to us. Our Savior who promises God's power, protection, and providence it's true, he has not said that we will enjoy the finer things in life. Although we often do, and sometimes we get to do even more than we, than we expect, we do have God's promise that he will give us our daily bread and what we need at the proper time. And that bare promise of future survival, of continued sustenance, that is something far greater than this world could ever begin to offer you. Indeed, we are richly blessed because of Jesus' own contagious generosity. And with this measure of blessings, our hearts are changed through faith in him. Now to thanks for what he has done for us, we ourselves overflow with our contagious generosity. And we can do so from a mindset of plenty. We don't live in scarcity that has to scrimp and save or kick and scream just to make our way in this world. We have God's promise even when the days seem dark. We don't have to live with the burden of impossible demands on top of us trying to earn God's favor to be just good enough, better than the other person we can get into heaven. No, we have Christ's righteousness right now. We are indeed richly blessed. And with the blessings that we ourselves have, we are free to give and to joyfully share them with others because we have more than we could ever use ourselves. And you know what? Our Lord has equipped us to overflow in this very act. In fact, he's already equipped us to overflow in so many other ways as he did with those Corinthians from long ago. As they overflowed in faith, in word, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us. It's in faith that those Corinthians, they, they had that rock-solid trust, that confidence in God's promises. So do we already overflow with that. Holding true to our God and what he says, even when we go through faith-shaking events, like the recent COVID pandemic, senseless violence at home and abroad, political instability and divisiveness, we know where our constant remains, the one who will never leave. That's our God, our Savior, his blessings for us. 
in word, those Corinthians overflowed with the gift and skill of speaking. So do we, not just your pastors, but also you, many of whom who are good public speakers, or at least know what to say at the right time in that person one-on-one, just you and somebody else. And in knowledge, those Corinthians had an intellectual grasp on the subjects of their day. And many of us are the same way. With college degrees that we have sitting somewhere at home, letters that we can add after a name if we want to look all fancy, or students who are studying to do the same themselves one day soon, hopefully. In all diligence, those Corinthians overflowed and getting to work and getting it done, for the most part, minus the collection that Paul's writing about here. In the same way, so do we. Many of us who drive a distance just to come here to church on Sunday, and then who volunteer our time and our talents to help put on everything grace does, as well as modeling Christ within your own homes, that takes work. In your love for us, those Corinthians overflowed in their commendable treatment for Paul and his co-workers in the gospel. And so do you and your cares, and your prayers, and your concerns for your pastors, and not just last month during Pastor Appreciation Month, but throughout the whole year. You take, you take good, good care of us. As, as we already overflow in all of these ways, let's also overflow with contagious generosity. With that faith in Jesus and what he has done for us, out of thanks for how he has richly blessed us already, how can we not share those blessings with others with the attitude that just wants to give and who cares if we get something back? There's no ulterior motives. For it's Christ who's driving us and love for him. And to see how to do that, we can look to the second example that Paul brings up to those Christians in Macedonia and how they channeled their overflowing, contagious generosity. If we were to look at what they actually gave, most likely speaking, it probably was not all that much in the grand scheme of things. The Macedonians, they were coming from their own set of troubles and issues with with persecutions around them and some degree of poverty that was already there beforehand. But yet what Paul remarks is not how much their amount was that they gave, but the attitude behind it, their contagious generosity. It was just out of the blue that they asked Paul, where can we give? Instead of needing him to ask them or to remind them, to say, this is what you should be doing, don't forget. And so Paul directs them to the people who were in need at that time, which were the Christians in Jerusalem suffering from famine and persecution of their own. As you and I, as we look to channel our overflowing, contagious generosity, we don't need to look as far as Jerusalem or talk to the highest-ranked official in our church body to figure out where. We have opportunities much closer. In fact, every Sunday, when, when the plate is passed or we scan the QR code in our worship folder, there's an opportunity to show our love and thanks to God in the ministry of the Word itself. Because when we give to grace, we give to everything that we do in the name of our Lord, whether it's in Benson, Sarita, Tucson, or Vail, 
you also give to what we do across the entire world and in our nation as a member of the Wisconsin Lutheran Church body. Besides that weekly opportunity, we also have those fundraisers that we have here at Grace for specific organizations or ministries to help them carry out their ministry as well. But don't forget to look outside these four walls as you seek to exercise godly giving as the salt of the earth that preserves the world from sin's decay. And as the light of the world that shines Christ's sin-darkened hearts, we can still reflect God's will and priority even in the secular world. Yes, there may not be that direct connection to Jesus or what they do and connect it with the church home, but at least we can still show that love of Christ to those who do not even know who Christ is. But as you overflow in this contagious generosity, remember what it is that counts most. It's the attitude. A joyful mindset that just loves to give out of faith in Jesus. Thanks for what he has done. As simple as that. That's what garnered Jesus' praise when the widow gave her offering, as we heard in the gospel. That's what Paul highlighted from the Macedonians as they gave their impromptu offering to those suffering in Jerusalem. That's what Paul refers to with the Corinthians needing so they could complete their collection as we will continue to see in the next two weeks in our worship series. And that's where we begin to have an attitude out of faith and trust and love to our Lord that just looks to give. May the Lord work in us a love for our Savior a renewed appreciation of all that he does, a recognition of all the blessings that we have so that we too may overflow with contagious generosity of our own. Amen.